It's the Perry and Shauna podcast on the real life journey with you, reminding you that you are Abba's beloved child and that Jesus has called you into his massive mission to heal the world. As a young man, Aaron Eras would see the the Christian people, he would see people having intimate relationship with the Lord, and he was jealous. He wanted this authentic relationship with the God of Israel, and he longed for what they had. And Erez was found by Jesus. We're talking this morning with Dr. Erez Soroff. He is the president of One for Israel, and he's with us to talk about what's been going on in Israel since the war began with Hamas. And by the way, One for Israel, the ministry that he runs— has there are 9 million Hebrew speaking people in the world and one for Israel's Hebrew language videos have been streamed over 60 million times by those 9 million Hebrew speakers so we're going to hear more about how the war has impacted the ministry of one for Israel as well yeah you could say that uh, your videos Dr. Soraf are being binge watched by Hebrew speaking people that is just such an amazing thing uh, yes it is shalom and uh, great to be with you so the war started on October 7, and this was completely unexpected, I think, for you and for your people. So just just walk us through, you know, give us the quick flyover from October 7 to now and how that has changed everything for one for Israel and for Israel and for the peoples in the Middle East. Yeah, well, uh, it's difficult to do it in a short period of time, but sure. I will definitely say that uh, we have, I mean, Israelis and the state of Israel have been very much surprised by uh, this attack. Uh, I think the initial reaction was a total shock uh, for all of us. Uh, I think many of us thought that the images, the videos we were seeing during that day, during it was a Saturday, was the great day of the Feast of Tabernacles that Jesus is talking about on in uh, John 7. So shock was the initial reaction. As the day rolled, then, um, you know, two, two things started to happen uh, besides missiles, you know, shot at Tel Aviv, Jerusalem. My family and I live outside Jerusalem. You know, we had to go into the uh, shelter and um, a very large scale evacuation of civilians from our southern border and northern border total about 100. 50,000 people, you know, families, elderly, kids, everybody started being evacuated. Evacuated. In parallel to this, also um, over 350,000 reserve soldiers mobilized to the front. And, and just to clarify, when I say reserve soldiers, that's, you know, our, our kids, mm-hmm. uh, family members, um, you know, and in our case, one for Israel Bible College, it's also a lot of our younger staff and students. So just a, a very traumatic uh, few days. Uh, that's kind of how it started. Yeah. Uh, from then, what, what happened was that, uh, you know, moving so many people all at the same, all at the same time outside of their home, uh, kind of coupled with the horrors of what, of the reports is starting to, to come, you know, about uh, over 1,500 Israelis slaughtered and uh, several hundred kidnapped. Um, and then everybody kind of moving away from their homes, just a lot of a lot of need all at the same time. And so I think everybody around the country, but certainly for us at One for Israel, we saw several things happen. First of all, a lot of need just to help uh, the evacuees. So anything from renting buses and 
busing them to, you know, from their homes to hotels or places are in the middle of the country, um, you know, paying for hotels in some cases, all the way to caring for elderly that were not able to be evacuated. They're just, you know, tied into their uh, situation. And then also big need initially in uh, in the reserves duties, like for just mattresses or jackets or stuff like that, that were just kind of winter just begun. So that was the beginning. And later on, as kind of the dust started to settle and uh, the state caught up with the immediate needs of people, uh, we started getting requests of a different kind. So that was more of from civil authorities. So different municipalities started contacting us and um, you know, just a- asking for help for, you know, kids are in a hotel. How do you create a school environment? So mm-hmm. create like a, so all those type of things happening and all through that time, you know, the proximity to death, the thought about war, move people. And I think it's it's naturally that it does. A lot of people started asking spiritual questions. Mm-hmm. Where was God on October 7? Uh, is, is, there, is there a meaning to life beyond our immediate existence, which all of a sudden we see so fragile? And um, so the volume of people contacting us at One for Israel, just asking questions about Yeshua, about Jesus, has just increased dramatically. People are asking, where was God on October 7? What kind of opportunity do you have to respond to those questions and what kind of, what kind of impact is that having? Well, first of all, thank you so much for uh, thinking about uh, about us and our people and praying for us. I can uh, honestly say that uh, Jewish people and Israeli people today, by the way, not only in Israel, also in the United States and all over the world, with the huge wave of anti-Semitism, so Jews and Israelis are keenly aware that Bible-believing Christians are our only friends around the world, I mean, literally. Hmm. And so that is... Um, that is a uh, a great testimony to the love of uh, the Messiah, Jesus. And uh, yes, as as, as uh, we we talked, so a lot a lot of Israelis, uh, and Jewish people in general, are writing to us, or calling us, or texting us, asking a lot of questions, and wanting to know more about the hope that uh, that we have, that we express. Why are you helping? Why are you doing all those things? And so, um, you know, what, what's been especially amazing is the huge response from the community of Orthodox Jewish people. Mm. Now, that community is usually very, very closed up. I mean, they, they're not heavy users of, of Internet and so on. But I think because of the situation, and again, the, it was kind of all encompassing to all the communities in Israel, a lot of people from that community, uh, men, mature men, younger men, and women have been writing us and wanting to get together to ask questions. And Mm. during that season, we have seen quite a few people from the Orthodox community that are um, in various steps. Some of them have actually become disciples of of Jesus. Mm. Uh, Some of them are on the path uh, towards that. It's usually a journey. Uh, So it's been been very, very interesting. And, um, you know, for... Many people, uh, particularly within the Orthodox community, um, and I think it's it's true for almost anywhere around the world, but there's a, a significant social price you would pay for your faith in Christ. Mm. 
in the case of uh, Orthodox Jews, that would mean that they would basically lose everyone they love. I mean, so their family will disown them, um, their environment where they live their entire life. I mean, they will not be, no one's going to talk to them at best. I mean, and it can get uh, a whole lot worse. And so part of the effort that we've been doing is also helping those people just to to do it the right way, mm-hmm. you know, not to burn bridges with a family, to try and, and, and not burn bridges with a family. And, um, you know, just uh, where, where it was needed also to help, you know, get out to another situation and connected them to local congregations and communities of believers that can care for them. Specifically in the last segment, Dr. Sorif, you were talking about how the Orthodox community, which is typically very closed, is asking spiritual questions and open to hearing about Jesus, the Messiah. What does that look like? Is that, I mean, because of all of the, that, what that would mean for them to be open to that conversation, are those, how do those conversations happen? Can you meet up? Is it very private? Like, what does that look like? Mm-hmm. So it's, um, first of all, there are several things there. First of all, it's a community that uh, usually are not very connected to the internet. I think just because they wanted to be more connected to the news and so on, uh, that's why many more have actually uh, connected to the internet and uh, try to find spiritual, you know, answers. Um, There's a there's a great prejudice in the Jewish world in general uh, against Jesus and against faith in Him. It has many historical reasons. Uh, some have to do with a very rough relationship with uh, particularly the Catholic Church through church history. So all of these are roadblocks. And um, when they do get online and they connect to One for Israel's channels, they, they see that we are Israelis, we speak Hebrew, we talk in a way they can understand and relate. Mm-hmm. And so many of them would write to us, and meeting in person is always the purpose, I mean, it's available to them if they want. Um, it's usually very scary for them, and it would normally take place in another city. So I can think of several examples from just the last last little while that uh, people really wanted to meet, but they kept postponing, kept postponing, and it's either, you know, late at night inside the car in some, you know, remote place, or or it's, it would be an entirely different location from uh, their normal normal environment. So that's, that's usually how it begins. Can you tell me one of those stories? You said several stories come to mind. Can you just kind of zoom in and yeah. paint a picture of what that looks like for one of those people? So fairly recently, last several weeks, a, um, and, you know, a mature uh, person from the Ordux community, a fairly senior person in that community have, uh, you know, made contact again. I mean, he's been in touch before. Uh, and when previously, when it came to a point of meeting face to face, he kind of disconnected, disengaged for a while. So now he connected again, and he really wanted to meet. Uh, it was very difficult for him to make that decision. Finally, when he did, he insisted it would be in in a in separate location. So, you know, we just met in a in a city nearby, um, just because he's a fairly well known person sure. in his in his city, uh, in his position, and. Um, it was actually really amazing to see a very humble man that is genuinely, genuinely seeking God and wanting to know the truth. He's mm. very much intrigued with Yeshua, Jesus of Nazareth, mm. 
Um, and, you know, that when, when he, he did read parts of the New Testament and when he did, you know, he, he was shocked. And I can, I can really relate. I didn't come from an Orthodox background, but I do remember that when I started reading the Gospel of Matthew, I was really shocked. You know, the first verse states, you know, Yeshua of Nazareth, Jesus of Nazareth, son of David, son of Abraham. Mm. You know, we, we all know David and Abraham. And then the entire the gospel happens in Israel and mm. Jerusalem and Caesarea and places that we've all been many, many times. I mean, he lives uh, near Jerusalem, this man. And so that's kind of, mm. so then from that, it evolved to uh, weekly meetings um, whenever it's possible. And this man has actually made a decision to follow Yeshua, to be wow. his disciple. Wow. I think at this point, it's kind of going through the ramifications and how to do that in a way that's most honoring to God mm-hmm. and, and, and causes least amount of suffering for his loved ones. And, and as I said, because he's a mature man, it's, it's, you know, it's not just a young man that you know, uh, has his parents to consider, obviously, but for for this man, it's it's uh, it's much much more than that. So we can definitely pray mm-hmm. for a lot of seekers and people that have come to know the Lord from the Orthodox community. Would you say that if the war had not happened, this man would not have embraced Yeshua? So I, I would say this way, maybe slightly different way. I'd say definitely the war with all the horrors entangled mm. in it was definitely a, a catalyst okay. in pushing him. I mean, th- th- I mean, in this particular man's case, he was already in touch in the okay. past. I mean, he, he was intrigued with Yeshua before, but he was very hesitant to make the step because of the ramification it has for his life. Yeah. And I think when this happened and, and, you know, again, we, we just see as human beings, how fragile life is. Mm-hmm. I think it kind of was the last push he needed. I think that we should pray for this guy. Yes. And pray for those who've yeah, come to the Messiah as he has, but also for the seekers. Let's just wrap up this this segment with that. If yeah. you if you would just pray, Shauna. Yeah, I'd love to. Lord, we we're so in love with you. You are so good. You're such a good God. And we thank you so much for the ways that you have awakened our hearts to you and you continue to awaken hearts to who you are in the world today. And honestly, it's hard for us as Americans who tend to add a little Jesus to our daily lives to, to consider what it means to choose you and to deny everything else. We don't even know what that looks like, Father. But for this man in particular, he's, he has a lot of years and he has built a life, a life that he loves and people that he loves. And there is a lot at risk. And we are praying, God, that you would press into his heart the message that you are worth it. Mm-hmm. That you're worth it. Press it into our hearts this morning that you are worth it following you wholeheartedly. Not having a little bit of religion in our lives, but being wholly committed to Jesus Christ. And we pray for those who are seeking you in the midst of what they're going through right now in Israel, Father, the the terrible things that are happening there to people that they love, the fear that they live under. God of peace, make yourself known in a powerful way to the nation and to the individual hearts that they would follow you wholeheartedly in Jesus' name. So, Dr. Soroff, of course, the the war is with Hamas, and Hamas is, I'm just going to 
throughout my understanding of all this. Uh, Hamas is the ruling government in the Gaza Strip. And so, and Hamas, their their sole aim is to exterminate the the Jewish people. Am I correct on that point? Yes, uh, just just maybe to kind of very very finely tune what you just said. All right. So they were in fact elected uh, in about two thousand seven, I believe, but they were elected together with the PLO, and uh, later on they forcefully basically killed everybody that from mm. the PLO that didn't play along with them. So it's not like they were completely democratic in in their seize mm. of. Uh, of I government. see. I see. Okay, so then the people of Gaza, the regular people, moms, dads, mm-hmm. boys, girls, husbands, wives, cousins, going to school, going to the grocery store, those people in Gaza, do they share that same sentiment that Hamas shares? It's uh, it's a tough question. I think many people just want to, you know, they just want to live. Yep. Mm-hmm. Just want to bring up their family and 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 so on um and just have a normal normal life uh, however uh, it, it's really important to remember that now in the last 18 years or so that hamas has been in power they have been the ones that have taken over the schools the mosques so all the content all the school books everything in the culture is you know built on on the hamas charter that as you said is a violent uh, is dedicated to a violent destruction and elimination of the state of Israel. So there is no, in their really theological, honestly, it's a theological view. There can never be peace with Israel hmm. because their religious duty is to eradicate all the Jews. I understand that the name Hamas in Hebrew means violence. Yes. Yeah. But important to say that the Hamas, the way it's used uh, in, in their own view, is not in Hebrew. I mean, it's in Arabic. Sure. Which, if I, yeah, so it, it means something different. I think like something like resistance, but I, I, mm. I could be wrong, but it's definitely, yeah. yeah. But it is interesting. In Hebrew, it is, it is, as you said. We are praying for an end to the war. That's what we pray. I just want to ask you, what would you have us pray for? How, we can, how can we specifically pray for one for Israel? And for your nation, what would you ask for? Well, thank you. I appreciate that. So I think for Israelis, what's super heavy on our hearts uh, as a nation is 134 uh, people, elderly, um, women, children, uh, that are hostages, that have been kidnapped from their homes, from their beds, civilians, and they're hold, held in captivity uh, over 130 days. So more than four months, they're held in tunnels underground with no medication and with every violation of the um, of any <laughs> any treaty whatsoever uh, of how to treat business of war. And so, you know, just their release and their survival really is what we're praying for. And, and then for us at One for Israel, just really pray that the gospel continues to go forth and that more and more people will come to, to know uh, Yeshua as, as our Messiah. Yeah. Um, we will continue to pray. And just real quickly, I know that we need to let you move on in your day, which what time is it in Israel right now? It's uh, 2.28 PM. All right. So you're, you're well into your afternoon. So, so just real quick, 
Is the Bible school continuing to train students during the war, and are you able to continue to create content to reach Israel with the gospel? Yes and yes. Awesome. Absolutely. Awesome. Dr. Erez Soroff, president of One for Israel, you've heard the prayer request. Let's keep praying because Jesus reigns, he hears prayers, and he is in charge. He's, He's working everything for the good. There was a lot of talk about this commercial that happened during the Super Bowl on Sunday. It's by a campaign called He Gets Us. Mm -hmm. And if you haven't seen it, it's some still images. So it wasn't even like video, but just images of people washing one another's feet. It was unlikely persons really washing one another's feet. There was a police officer who was washing a young black man's feet in an alleyway. There was a, a protester washing the feet of a woman outside of a family planning clinic, a woman who is considering abortion. And then it ends with the slogan, Jesus didn't teach hate. He washed feet. Mm-hmm. And it's there's a lot of people talking about the ad. There are people excited about the campaign and what's happening. And there are people who are concerned about the campaign. Some of the pushback they're getting is that that's just part of the story. You didn't tell the whole story. What about sanctification? What about the fact that Jesus doesn't just meet us where we're at, but he, he takes us from there and he wants, he wants better for us. It's, it's not Jesus. Um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Winking at, at things in society. You know, Jesus has a way that he wants us to live. There's, there's just, there's a lot of conversations around these ads. Right. And the president, Jason Vanderground was talking to Fox news digital. And he said that a lot of that, this campaign in particular, or the ad, this ad in particular was crafted with the election year in mind. And it wasn't intended to be political. That's not the point. But he said, we just see a lot of divisiveness. We also see isolation and anxiety running high. And as we look back through scripture, we're looking at what would be the unique message of Jesus into an environment like this one. Mm -hmm. And we're just kind of trying to give people a glimpse into what is the Jesus way? We're trying to really disrupt their preconceived notions about Jesus. And a lot of times their views of Christianity to say, Here's this person who lived and demonstrated perfectly for us unconditional love, radical forgiveness, grace, and kindness. Mm-hmm. And they're getting a lot of pushback. They're getting pushback from the left. They're getting pushback from the right. There's a lot of people talking about it. There's a lot of stir about it. And the president's response to that is, I think it's actually very reassuring. Yeah, the president of He Gets Us. Yeah, the president of He Gets Us, yep. not Biden. Right. No, but the president of He Gets Us is mm-hmm. saying, it's good because the campaign exists to provoke people to think about the ways of Jesus on yeah. the left, on the right, yep. in the faith, outside the faith. Yeah. And I mean, you know, washing feet is a very, is a very humbling thing to do. It's a, it's a humbling thing to receive. It's a humbling thing to do for another. And Jesus used that symbol to show what he was going to do on the cross. So, and I, I, you could argue that it's a better way to express the gospel to, to the masses than to show Jesus hanging on the cross. Mm-hmm. You know, now mm-hmm. I mean that that was where the the power, the power of the cross, the beauty of the cross. The cross is everything, everything, mm-hmm. everything. But for an ad, you know, sixty second ad to show the washing of feet, 
it's it's a it's a really an ultimate act. It points to the ultimate act of servanthood, mm-hmm. which is the right. cross. Right. And that moment when Jesus was washing the feet, he we often think, you know, Jesus was washing the feet of his disciples, the people he did life with, the people he chose. But first of all, let's just recognize that they were the unlikely people to have even been chosen. And then let's talk about the fact that within hours, Peter's going to deny him. Every single one of them is going to walk away and even tells him that. Mm -hmm. He knows it's going to happen. Judas betrays him. I mean, he was not just washing the feet of his disciples. He was, but he was washing the feet of his enemies. Yeah. And he did it. He very specifically said, I did this so that you could see me doing it. So this, how, what I just did for you, I want you to do for other Mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so this makes me think about how, you know, we're not only to receive the gospel, the gospel is the good news that Jesus lived out the life that we can never live, that he died the death that we deserve. He, he took the judgment we deserve and he rose again to, to bring us into right relationship with God. That's the gospel that mm-hmm. we receive. But then Jesus wants us to become the gospel, to right. become a foot washer, a one, you know, when I'm poked, when I'm poked by the world, the meanness of the world, uh, defensiveness doesn't come out. But love pours out. Yeah. And the ads themselves are meant to provoke us. They're meant to get a reaction from us. They're actually meant to build a bridge to finding Jesus. So if you were like, that ad, he gets us, however it hit you, you know, made you want more, it provoked you in some way, and you go to the He Gets Us website, you're going to find the ad and want to know more. And a link to the YouVersion Bible app mm. and a reading plan where you can learn more about this Jesus who washed feet and what this all means. Yeah. So I know some of the pushback has been, it's not the complete story. Like they didn't tell the whole story. They stopped. And you're right. But it's 60 seconds. Right. We don't get to tell the whole story in 60 seconds, but we can build a bridge to the story yep. and bring people right into scriptures and... I think that I think that they're hitting their mark. They're doing exactly what they intended to do. Yeah, it's a gateway to the scripture. And also, I understand that in last year's Super Bowl, he gets us ran their campaign and people responded to that. More people searched Jesus during the Super Bowl last year than they did Christmas last year. Yes. Because of that ad. More people searched Jesus online during the Super Bowl than they did during Christmas. Yeah. I think for me personally, where I sit with it, if it's okay me sharing my personal opinion, if the ad is meant to provoke curiosity, as one who represents Jesus in my life, I want to be ready to respond to the curiosity of other people. If you could look at the landscape of my life, it would be like looking at a landfill with raw sewage and roaches and rotting garbage. What you'd be looking at is who I am on my own, apart from Christ. What you conjured up for me there is more than an image, but also a smell. (laughs) Yeah, I was going for it. Yeah. Just trying to be real about who I am apart from Christ, Mm -hmm. my brokenness, my chaos my sin, 
But if you looked closer, you'd also see white Easter lilies here and there and over there and up there, breaking through the ugliness. And that would be my longing to be pure, blinding white, my longing to be like my holy God. But I can't get there. I can't clean myself up. But what I can't do, the gospel offers me and you. Gospel literally means good news. It really is good news. It's not religion. It's not somebody pointing out how rotten you are. Mm -hmm. It's the good news for sinners like me and you. When you talk about, you know, our inability to be able to clean it up ourselves, I've heard, I'm so familiar with the story of the woman and the lost coin, but yesterday you just said it in such a way that I was like, huh. I mean, when, if you think it's hard for a sheep to find his way back home, mm-hmm. how much harder for a coin? Right. They don't even have legs. They don't even have a brain. You know what I mean? Like there's nothing going on there. In the same way, I was picturing my own, as you were describing kind of your heap of a mess, if I will. Yeah. I was picturing my own. Mm-hmm. heap of a mess and m- what mine looks like and yeah. the, the sin in my life. And and we can't clean ourselves up any more than a landfill would be able to clean itself up. Yeah. And I got to give kudos to Sally Lloyd-Jones, who came up with that whole idea of, you know, there's no way a coin could find itself back to right. its owner. But the good news, the gospel means good news. It's a God who sends his son to die for us, to wash away the refuse of my life mm. with his river of life. Hebrews 1.3 says, After Jesus provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. What I couldn't do for myself, Jesus has done for me and for you. God sees us as clean as the driven snow. Mm. Right now. Yeah. Right now, fresh fallen snow is covering the ground in West Michigan and out the window at the station here. If you have, if you're in West Michigan and you're sitting in snow, you have the opportunity to just look out a window. Just let that, let that sink in. Yeah. Just take a look at it and realize that that's how pure you are before God. Mm-hmm. And if you're sitting in a prison cell or maybe you're in a hospital room or you're driving down the road, but particularly if you're, if you're in prison, Maybe it's a, just a prison of your own making, but mm. could be literally in a prison cell. And you just, you, you know, you feel palpably the rottenness of your life. Christ can wash it all clean, can wash it all clean. We just have to say, oh, Christ, I am, have mercy on me, a sinner. Mm-hmm. Have mercy on me, a sinner. And if you have accepted Christ, and you're feeling so ugly and dirty. Just know that he's washed you clean. Jesus Christ's blood is powerful and it washes us completely clean. And so Jesus, because of what he's done for us, God sees us clean as the snow that's falling. And yet I still fall short as a believer. I still fail. I, I still get dirty. God may see me as pure white, but he also knows that in real time I'm not. That's where I can get tripped up and fall into despair. And maybe you're despairing, but don't despair because God has poured holy into us. Mm. The Holy Spirit. Say that again. God has poured holy into us. And the Spirit is transforming us inside out. 
He's constantly praying for you and me to become more and more like Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing. He's constantly cleansing us of the filth that remains. And the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is the one creating this heart cry within us. The heart cry that that just cries out, God, I want to be holy and completely yours. I want every breath I breathe to be for you. Mm -hmm. It really is good news. It really is such good news. It's good news not just once, too. I think sometimes we think gospel and we think, right, like moment of conversion, that gospel, good news. It never stops being good news. Mm. And I need it to never stop being good news because I'm continually confronted with my sin. Mm-hmm. And the enemy would love to grab onto that and say, this is who you are. Shove my face in the landfill and say, this is who you are. And, yes. that's, and it's not true. And, and the accuser, we can't downplay the accuser because he... He is the accuser. Satan means accuser. And the word says he accuses God's people day and night and night and day and day and night. And the only way we can overcome that, the word says, is through the blood of the lamb. Mm -hmm. We overcome by the blood of the lamb. So, Father, thank you for sending your son. Thank you for in love, giving up your son out of your love to save us, to rescue us, to clean us up. Thank you, Father. And thank you, Jesus, for being willing to come. You were willing. And you went to that cross obediently, and you stretched out your arms, and you you bled out for the complete forgiveness of our sins. And thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are at work within us right now, cleansing us continually from all unrighteousness. I don't know about you, but I'm a t-shirt person. (laughs) I love me a nice t-shirt and I've got a ton of them in my closet and I'm looking for more. I am doing a reading plan right now. It's called the Bible Recap and the the Bible teacher is Tara Lee Cobble. She's awesome. She's not a pastor. She's not a theologian. She just loves the word of God and studies it real, real good and Mm -hmm. shares her insights with us. And so as you go through the reading plan, it's chronological. So we started in Genesis and then we hopped on over to Job and then we went back to Genesis and then (laughs) Exodus and now Leviticus. And so reading through Leviticus, if you're not familiar with Leviticus, it's a lot of law. It's a lot of sacrifices this sort of thing. And that's where we are right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, our friend Stephanie is doing this reading plan with me as well, the the Bible recap. And we are in Leviticus currently, mm-hmm. which was written to the Levites, Leviticus Levites. So giving them instructions on how to handle all of the different sacrifices for for sins that you knew you committed, for sins that you didn't know you committed, for the different types of sins, all, all the things. Yeah, and lots of laws that... Mm-hmm helped Israel be a distinct people, a holy people that would would be set apart and would be a light to the nations. Laws that really might seem strange to us, but in their context really pointed to Israel's God being a holy God and a God that is worthy of worship that can bring life to the nations around them. So yesterday we read this, we read in Leviticus 3, verse 16, listen to this. It says, and the priest shall burn them upon the altar. It is the food of the offering made by fire for a sweeter savor. All the fat is the Lord's. All the fat is the Lord's. All the fat is the Lord's. So Stephanie texted in this morning. We're having a conversation about Leviticus. And she said, that should be on a t-shirt. All the fat is the Lord's. (laughs) To which I replied in all caps, I want that t-shirt. 
And I was just joking, but I think Stephanie has taken me seriously and may get me that T-shirt. But the more that I think about it... You can't wear it, though. You ain't got no fat on you. Well, that's true, but it's a conversation starter. It is a conversation starter. Okay, so I was joking to begin with, but now I'm thinking all all the fat is the Lord's. So the point of that is that God gets the best. God wants the best from us. I wonder if this is, I'm just, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, that was, that's the point of yeah. offering all the fat to the Lord because that was the, the tastiest part of the meat and you're to offer that to the Lord, I think is the point. Yes, it's, absolutely. It's, it's yeah, yeah, it's the bestest, 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 bestest. Yeah. But it makes me wonder, we're, on, we're also in Lent right now. It's day two of Lent. And for many who practice Lent, part of the practice is not eating any fatty meats mm-hmm. okay. during Lent. Okay. I wonder if that's a correlation that all the fat belongs to the Lord is why they don't eat fatty meats during Lent. Yeah. Connect that for me. I'm asking. Okay, so if we're supposed to sacrifice all the fat to the Lord, we're not supposed to eat it because it's the Lord's. Mm -hmm. And many people during the Lenten season as they prepare for Easter do not eat fatty meats. I'm Mm -hmm. wondering if it's connected to this verse in Leviticus. I'm just curious. I think what you're saying is that both are ways of showing God that he's, he's first in my life. Right. That's what you're saying. I'm Well, I'm wondering if that's why people don't eat fatty meats during Lent season. If yeah. it's part of saying, I'm not going to eat fatty meats for the next 40 days because... Yeah, of course. It's a way of showing your devotion to the Lord. Yeah. And that was that was the purpose of offering the fat. So, right, 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 right. So yeah. you could have a conversation, you know, all the fat, all the fat is the Lord's. All the fat is the Lord's. That's literally what the what the scripture says. All the fat is the Lord's. So you could just move into a conversation. Somebody asked you about that, about putting God first in your life. And mm-hmm. I I want to put God <laughs> This is serious. <laughs> what are you laughing it's about? It's just just the way to get in the conversation <laughs> okay. with this t-shirt is okay. is cracking me up, but it actually can work. Mm-hmm. You think if you wore a shirt to the gym that said all the fat is the Lord's You'd have some holy conversations coming out of it. I think I would. Well, then let's do it. Let's go for it. All the fat is the Lord's. Thanks for letting Barry and Shauna walk the real-life journey with you. The content from the Barry and Shauna podcast comes from their live show, Barry and Shauna Mornings on 89.3 Moody Radio, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Reach out to us by texting 800-968-8930 and please subscribe.